Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I've just read one of the best comments below. I'm sorry, but Lawrence doesn't have great football knowledge. He's annoying. His jokes are absolutely terrible, and he thinks he's funny and cool. Wow. This is the best bit now. This gets even better. He says... He's the least funny across all football-related channels. And it's even better, it says, not having it. It is Thursday, which means it's time for the front free Q&A with me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Yeah, it is. Chris Hennish is here as well. Even. As is Statman Dave. It's the big one. The front three blogging awards. Indeed. Uh, guys. Or, or otherwise known as Dave's Bitter Evening. <laughs> we're not at the, we're not at the blogging awards, uh, in case you guys haven't noticed. Um, were we invited, Lawrence? I think we were invited. Right. Yeah, she invited, yeah. But we never um, missed this year. But, well, yeah, I mean... Out of bitterness. Like, there'll be other years. I, think, I also just think it's... Anyway, should we... Yeah, yeah let's, let's get straight in. <laughs> I do think it is a love. I think it is a lovely night, and I think a lot of people really enjoy them. I think it's, it's lovely. A lot some of these people, I think, it's lovely some of these people can get out of their bedrooms. Mm. I think at the same time, that's a night. All right. Um, I think it's lovely that some of these people get out. Sort of meet all the other people in the industry. It's a lovely place to go and meet people. Um, I think next year when we're a little bit, it's not the winning that counts. It's the taking part. Mm. And next year we will mobilise the troops. Ooh. Wow, okay, there's a promise yeah. for you. Um, anyway, guys, you've been sending in your questions on Twitter. We're going to get through as many as we can tonight. But before we do that, it is, of course, time for comment of the week. Guys, you've been sending in your reviews mm-hmm. on iTunes. Some great ones this week. Uh, one coming in all the way from Australia saying, Dave is my fave, but the chemistry yes, between you in. lads Come is on. unbeatable. So he sort of complimented all of us. Um, Dave, when did you get a VPN? <laughs> Uh, Harry in New Zealand said superb love this podcast Adam seems like the nicest Spurs fan ever that's nice Uh, best podcast ever Uh, Rapolo from the USA said love that guy Chris Uh, love that he's in the hole now great work guys Uh, but comment of the week has to go to uh, the man who from the UK who titled his review Audible Chocolate it's quite a long review um he says, having stumbled upon this podcast about a week ago, I expected to listen to three gentlemen expressing their mildly biased opinions on football. To my surprise, their po- this podcast exceeded my expectations by far. The lush voice of Adam Lalana's thick-boned doppelganger. Oh my god! 
interesting. <laughs> That's Harsh, a backhanded compliment if I've ever heard. Harsh Perfect uh, provides the necessary structure for the man in possession of the stats to grace us with his thorough tactical insight. The team's libero uh, has captivating stories as well as well thought out opinions that never fail to entertain even uh, for most the most demanding of listeners. But no, that wasn't enough. They had to get the best journalist in the game too. The man whose footballing knowledge is as vast as the Atlantic Ocean. The we myth really hailing from the north to shed light on the darkest corners of the beautiful game. The legend that is Kristen Ducking Hennage. Great podcast. I love all of you. Keep it up. What an exceedingly nice review from the man who from UK. You get comment of the week and thoroughly deserved. It has to be said. Thoroughly, um, yeah. Anyway, let's get in to the questions, guys. So much to talk about this week. Let's start. Rob Allen asks, is the Wayne Rooney reaction over the top? You can't have missed this headline uh, since the England-Scotland game. Turns out Wayne Rooney was sort of having uh, having a nice evening. May or may not have gate crashed a wedding. Maybe he was invited. Maybe he was just at the hotel with England team members. But it seems to have uh, it seems to have exploded in the last couple of days. Lawrence, you know, uh, the England team are now banned from having nights out. All this sort of stuff. I mean, what do you make of this whole ridiculous situation? It's been going on for quite a while now, hasn't it? Um, the the interesting side was obviously that other people have their comments now i really enjoyed some of the people who sort of been saying i don't see what the problem is as if somehow you know because we all have a hangover when we go to five aside on a sunday you know uh, therefore it's fine if wayne rooney's like that um he's also weirdly i mean if you go into someone's wedding <laughs> wayne uh, you know it's formal dress tonight yeah i'm wearing my england shirt right i mean yeah but it's formal <laughs> dress <top>. wayne <laughs> yeah but uh, it's my training top it's all i've got <laughs> you're like right okay uh, just a sit on the couch when you live in that club. To be fair, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. If, I'm, if, I'm, like, I'm, if, I'm, if, if like if you've ever been fortunate enough to to like know a, a player or have a fa- friend or family, like they do, wear the, they do wear the training kit a frightening amount of time. And I know that because, and I would be proud of if you know if I had such a. Um, I think it's laziness as well. <laughs> I, I mean, I also just think that it's partly that they're told, look, wear this, and then they probably just don't take many other options because, you know, when you go away in England, duty, you probably do. Anyway, the point is that, that that made it, it did make it worse. If he was in some sort of casual gear, it probably would have been a little bit easier for him to sort of pass it off. But it was the fact that he was sort of, it looks like he's representing England, um, you know, and I understand all the banter about it and all the jokes and stuff. I I, I appreciated Jurgen Klopp's, uh, Jurgen Klopp said, all the legends drank like devils and smoked like crazy. Uh, and then he said, this generation is the most professional generation of footballers. I find That's, that, I mean, that is true. I mean, that is true. They are, you know, they are the most professionalized uh, generation yet. They are. But then at the same time, um, and I, 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 I sort of get Jurgen Klopp's point. Like, just let him let his head down. Do you know what I mean? It, it's once, but at the same time, he is also a professional footballer. He's on so much money, hmm. and he, he's he's very well rewarded for the lifestyle that he leads. We talk as if Wayne Rooney's doing this for the rest of his life. It's very clear that soon that will end, and he'll be able to go to as many parties as he wants when he's thirty-four or thirty-five. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I see the hypocrisy that goes on here because he's earning a lot of money, and the defence of him. Is it, and, and also the attack has also been too virulent. That's the thing. I think it's, Dave, I mean, as a Manchester United fan yourself, I just think it's been a bit overblown. Obviously, there's lack, that lack of professionalism uh, from Wayne Rooney, but I think the, the sort of the scandal that seems to have risen uh, about it, as uh, Lawrence says, has been a bit bit much. Yeah, look, listen, I've, I've been to a few nightclubs in my time. I've, uh, I've got pretty drunk we in know, my time. We know. But, 
Unfortunately, I'm not a professional footballer who gets paid £350,000 a week to go around and kick a ball. If I was, I'd potentially take my life in a different way. You know, the, the points Lawrence meant, made about him being in his training shirt and so forth, he is England captain. Unfortunately, he can't go and get absolutely blasted um, you know, in midweek when he's got a Premier League game at the weekend. Unfortunately, that can't happen. He if can this do was Marcelo, do you think it would be different? Do you think it would be different if people, like, do you know what I mean? If, if it was like oh, Patrice I... Evra going to a wedding or something, do you think people would be like, oh, Patrice? I do think it's also partly that Wayne Rooney's performances haven't been great recently. Yeah, yeah So to see him having thing, such right? a good time is also a little bit, it's a little bit frustrating because it's like, well, mate, things seem to be going downhill for you, but like, you don't seem to be, you know what I mean? And it's yeah, is... This is like sort of the first time that you kind of have that feeling that is Wayne Rooney turning into Paul Gascoigne in a way. Is that the path he's going down? Like you just mentioned there again, if he was banging in three goals at the weekend and then, you know, scored for England, won the game there, they beat in Spain, then he goes, plays there. Arsenal scores four goals there. Yeah, fair enough. But he's not, and he's not doing that. He's massively under the level of performance that he he should be at, given his calibre and so forth. So it's just a bit too much for me. And it seems like Wayne Rooney's going down a pretty dangerous path. Bit like and a Bamiyang, isn't it? Like a Bamiyang, like with last time we mentioned it, we were like, well, boys, we'll be boys. Off he goes. <laughs> a Bamiyang, bloody loves it, doesn't he? I bet you abandon them, them all. And then this week, Wayne comes out, and everyone's like, oh, Wayne, you can't be doing that, Wayne. Pitchforks are We up. have some breaking news, actually. Come on. Oh. Yes. Um, the Sun is reporting an exclusive that Wayne needs to be stripped of the England captaincy. Whoa. Stripped. Off really? the back of this. No. Incident. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not. I genuinely fuck the sun. I, I, it, I, the reporting of this has been uh, questionable at best. Their insinuation that he, that it, you know, Wayne Rooney was pictured with two women, those sort, and I understand that. But it is the way they describe the videos and, and the, the pictures and the, you know, the lewdness of it. And, it, and then it's the way that they revel in what they feel like they've caused, as if it's some sort of like public service that they've done that they've they've revealed this to us you know the, the sun can reveal you know the sun can the sun's exclusive football sources and all this sort of bollocks that they spout like you can't claim to be a reformed paper and then do this sort of thing this is a hit piece essentially and they've made it they try people haven't protected him in the right way and if he does lose it i'm questioning i'd vastly question the fa and then at the same time i'd say maybe the fa are looking for a reason to do a hit because people uh, like Dave's already said, you know, people not sure about Wayne's position anyway. If if I can partition the, the sun away from this for a second and just focus on the actual issue, I think a lot of people are applying themselves to the situation. So yeah, the yeah. the issue essentially, I don't think, is that he's had a few drinks after a game. It's the fact that at this precise moment, one of the issues people cite with him is he hasn't taken care of himself. And that's yeah, I mean, why he's that's what in the position saying, he's yeah. in now. So if you look at it from not necessarily a moralistic or a principled standpoint, if you just look at it from an athletic perspective, this is very much why he's in the position he's in. So I don't think actually the I don't think the people saying bad things about him are being negative as much as they're disappointed and frustrated at what he could have been. If that makes sense. No, they're they're frustrated by the potential that has theoretically been wasted by someone not making smart decisions. And, I mean, you look at someone like Ronaldo, who is perhaps the best example I can think of of pure dedication and purity, not just in the way that he acts, but in the way that he looks as well. Like, he doesn't have tattoos. There's nothing. He's so focused on football that 
that's all that has dominated his entire life. And you look at someone like Rooney and you can't apply the same uh, thought process to that. You can't apply the same lifestyle to that. And so I think the fact that he was in an, an England top, I think in years gone by that probably would have been applauded, if I'm really honest. I think there's a, there's a generation who definitely would tell that story now and so it was great he was in his england top and he was just like one of the lads and he drank with us until 5am and he had all these great stories whereas now it seems to apply a lot more to the person than the action in that sense hard to disagree with that i think you know you, you speak to it there chris when sir alex ferguson was sort of pointing out potentially uh, that Rooney doesn't take care of himself and he compared him in his autobiography to players like Ronaldo as you have at uh, like gigs um, and he obviously saw this coming uh, a long way off but still um, the the FA and Southgate stripping him of the, the captaincy feels maybe like you say Lawrence maybe it's an excuse this is the excuse they needed in order to kind of uh, end the Rooney era almost um, anyway there you go breaking and news it's over, over. done um, next question is from Jack on Twitter this one's for you basically Chris uh, what is going on with the US men's national team are they going to miss out on the World Cup and is there anyone who doesn't think Klinsman should be sacked what do you reckon uh, Jonathan Klinsman probably doesn't who is his son um, yeah, that's Margaret tough. Klinsman his, uh, his estranged sister of course of course Essentially, what's going wrong is you're Keith looking. At, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're you're looking at a coach that doesn't necessarily have a plan. That's that's the problem. Is that when he was hired, he was hired to develop a, an identity in a lot of ways for for the U.S. men's national team, and he hasn't done that. And he said in the past, you know, I'm not here to be liked. That's good because no one really does like him anymore. And you look at his media handling style, and it can be quite blunt. It can be quite lacking in charm. I think. And even I think now it's reached the point where just basic decisions don't necessarily make sense. So a good example is picking Timothy Chandler over DeAndre Yedlin. Even though Yedlin is in fantastic form, I think offers a lot more than Chandler, who has hit his ceiling as a player. It's that kind of thing that frustrates people. It's also, and you can go into very different camps about the people who are now starting to dislike Klinsman and the people who have done it for years. And in that second camp, there's the notion that Benny Fellharbour and Sasha Kleschen have been ostracised from the national team for a long time. Kleschen's only recently come in, but even now he's not starting games. And that is baffling because with him and Michael Bradley, you've got arguably the three best central midfielders in, I would say, the American pool of players. And yet they can't get on the pitch together. And the the belief with Fellharbour is, or the, the, the story goes that he had an argument with a teammate in a camp and then was ostracized permanently off the back of that. And I've spoken to him about that, and he's never had a, a concrete answer as to why he's not included. He's been told to improve things, and he believes has has improved them, but has now accepted that he's not going to play for the national team as long as Klinsman's there. And that's really sad, because he's a wonderful player, Benny Fellharbour. He could, and I think should have had a better career in Europe, personally. And it's those kind of things, along with the fact that just in general, they look a very disjointed team. Against Mexico, they played a formation, a 3-5-2, that they'd only played for 45 minutes previously in five years. He then goes to Costa Rica, and yes, the pitch is not great. Costa Rica is a very difficult place to go in terms of hex qualifying. I'm a big fan of Costa Rica as a team anyway. They are a very good team. 
you don't really get shut down 4-0 like that. Though That's the problem, is that it's not the fact that they lost, it's the way in which they lost. That's why people are starting to now think, actually, this guy has to go if we're going to move forward because he's not only not progressing us, he's arguably taking us backwards a little bit. Yeah. Also, Debbie Chin, uh, Jonathan Klinsman, Martha Klinsman, <laughs> Siegfried Klinsman, <laughs> Layla Have Klinsman. you been looking up the Klinsman family tree while Chris <laughs> and, gave this brilliant And, of answer. course, his brother. Horst Klinsman. Of course. Of course. <laughs> the, the other thing as well, just, just one sidebar, is you also look at the way that um, Jonathan, his son, reacted to Landon Donovan being left out of the World Cup squad, which was to tweet something out that, and I'm paraphrasing it slightly, it was, ha, 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 I only learned of Donovan's omission when I checked my phone. That's quite disrespectful to someone that did a lot for US soccer. And I think as much as we credit Julian Green for scoring in that World Cup, there is still those, and it was true at the time as well, who were really disappointed that Landon Donovan didn't get that send-off with the national team, that last World Cup that he deserved. Because I think he put a lot of himself into US soccer period, not just Major League Soccer, but the national team as well. And the fact that it ended in the way that it did, fairly meekly, that that's not that's not tending to a legacy. And I think there's part of... Klinsman that should have been doing that. Not I do also way. think, though, that the, the flip side of that, and I do think I, I agree with what you're saying, Chris. I do also think there are some revisionists in US soccer about the way that Landon Donovan acted at some points in his career and was perceived. And there were times where I remember people on EPL Talk and World Soccer Talk vehemently against the way that Landon Donovan was treating the people around him. And has treated some of the people around him. And as much as, you know, we look back sometimes and, and remember him very fondly, I do remember there being political points about keeping him out of the side. And I get your point about disrespect. And I get your point about, um, you know, having someone who's valued in the team. But at the same time, uh, I also think some people would have put the boot in with Klinsman just to counter that. That, mm, you know, if he'd have kept course. him in, they would have accused him of being... Um, you know, sentimental or bowing yeah. to people too early and, and not keeping his eyes on the prize. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And, and I think, like I say, to go back to that media handling style for a second, I'm very careful about how I phrase this. I think sometimes in American sports culture, when you ask a question, you accept the answer that is given and no further is taken with it. And I've seen that manifest sometimes with Klinsman, like, for example, with Fail Harbour. Um, a friend of, of mine actually asked Klinsman, you know, why isn't he in the team? And Klinsman's response was, well, he's just behind people on the depth chart. It's like, well, mm. that's fairly obvious, but why is he behind? It, it's, so, it's so unfair sometimes to scapegoat players. The obvious one to look at during that period was Mick Diskerud, who was not registering many assists, not scoring many goals, not playing well for NYCFC, but was ahead of Fail Harbour, who was playing out of his skin at the time in the league. And it's things like that, the fact that Maybe there wasn't enough follow-up and sometimes the the American press is cordial enough that they don't seek further clarification. They're quite happy to take the answer that's given. That can sometimes be a detriment of, of him because I think in instances like that, he's had a little bit of an easy ride. But yeah. now it's, it's, it's really quite sharply turning against him. Yeah, agreed. Next question from the main man, Luke Dor. He says, what should Gerard do? Go to MK Dons, keep playing, or go back to LFC to coach. Uh, this is obviously based on the news, if you haven't heard it today, the surprising news that uh, Stephen Gerrard and MK Dons have been in contact over the vacant manager's role. Dave, what do you make of all this? It's quite an interesting one, that. You know, Stephen Gerrard 
as always mentioned, I think he wants to go into coaching after his playing career, and and why not? You know, MK Dom's could be a good club for him. Uh, you know, in a decent uh, a decent level. You know, sort of like we mentioned Ryan Giggs a while ago, and how he was rejecting, well, not rejecting, but not potentially taking clubs in the championship because he thought it was beneath him. I think you know, going to MK Dom's could be a good move for Gerard to to start. But it, again, it would be chucking him in right at the deep end. So if he doesn't get it right straight away, things could completely go the wrong way in a way and he potentially could lose confidence in himself and, and move on to something else. But maybe go back to Liverpool could be a good thing. And imagine sort of Klopp and then Gerard there as maybe an assistant or a, you know, working in the back with the with the younger lads could be a really good thing just to start his coaching career. And then as he gets experience, then take that job in League One. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't quite get... I mean, I understand that he's a good option, but I mean, he's not coached at any sort of serious level before. I understand the players are probably going to have a lot of respect for him. But it, it would also also makes sense that um, maybe it's a good idea to go back and observe Klopp. I mean, he's considered to be a great motivator. Gerard wasn't at the club while he was there. You know, he, he'd be greatly welcomed. Maybe maybe Gerard is aware of what his legacy will be at Liverpool and maybe going back too soon or sort of, you know, allowing them a bit of breathing space is something that they would might prefer. On Gerard, staying on Gerard, Chris... And we've got a question here coming on Twitter from Aaron saying, were Lampard and Gerrard a success in MLS? Um, obviously not necessarily a simple question, but it looks like their time is coming to an end at NYCFC and LA Galaxy respectively. I mean, what have you made mm. of their their spell in America? Well, I actually wrote something for, for Yahoo today about their respective legacies. Um, so the timing of that question is, is brilliant. I think... You can what you can say is is that for Lampard the bar was slightly lower because NYCFC are a new team, and Gerard was essentially joining the most successful club in MLS. So for him, success or achievement was really only going to find itself in winning MLS Cup, which is a big ask at any point. They both made the playoffs this season. Gerard made the playoffs last season. I think Lampard had a terrible first season, and it looked like it was going the same way this season to be truthful. But then he managed to get himself on the field, score goals, essentially played as like a second striker of sorts and was really clinical and had a little bit of fortune with some of his goals and left the team in a fairly good position. They had qualified for the playoffs. Yes, they were annihilated by Toronto, granted. But still, there was achievement there and you kind of can compare them to Orlando because they came into the league at the same time and say that NYCFC are a fair few streets ahead of, of Orlando in that sense, because they've made the playoffs, because they've got that monkey off their back. Gerard, I think, was a well-intentioned move, but not one he was prepared for. I think the travel, the humidity, the pitches, he's talked about this himself and said that it is physically draining, and I think there was a real naivety to him approaching it. So if I was to rate one above the other, I'd say Lampard had the better time in it. Um, and honestly, for Gerard. The pair of them suffered injuries, but in, in general, I didn't feel a huge seismic impact from Gerard. I felt like he had moments, but they were very fleeting. Luke also asks, when will you guys have a fan meetup, potentially at a pub, to watch a game and converse? Winky face. Um, we did talk about doing a meetup uh, in the summer. Never quite happened, sort of got lost in the, in the shuffle. In the tournaments? Yeah, I mean... Maybe early next year if people are interested. I'm always dubious about how many people would actually 
It'd just be me, David. It'd be it'd be us four, wouldn't it? Having a pint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, fans like, biggest fans of ourselves. Just like a regular Saturday. Um, I'll put a, this. We'll put a little poll out on Twitter. We'll try and you know gauge the gauge the demand. <laughs> really for Would you come to a meetup? I, yes. I mean, no? one thousand you... people said no. <laughs> yes, they definitely <laughs> oh, would. Shit. The trolls would say no. Um, Another question here from Callum Crystal Talents on Twitter said, "Do you guys think it's too early to talk about the title race in November?" Uh, what do you make of that one, Lawrence? I mean, you know, we're 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 basing the league is shaping up. Exactly. You know, I mean, ten games in, most people say the league is beginning to take some sort of shape because you're a quarter of the way through the season. You can look at who's strong. You've got a you've got at least a reasonable um, read of the number of games, but I think. Also, it's probably a good idea to say now is also a great time to sort of start your metric because they get a solid number of games between now and uh, then maybe 20 games. Uh, so, you know, I think now is a really good time to start looking at the way that teams are shaping up. It's post-international break. A lot of managers have had some time to think about, you know, how they want to take it, where they want to take it. Um, and I'll be, you know, the people I'm interested in seeing when they come back are like United, Saturday, 12.30 going to be really interesting to see how they de- dealt with this international break that is going to be an interesting one i mean dave how are you feeling about that man united arsenal uh relatively good you know Mourinho's record against arsenal wenger is unbelievable 13 games played Mourinho's won seven of the games six draws and arsenal wenger's failed to pick up a win so i'm quite comfortable at the moment because i think Mourinho will take the pressure off the players by it being a by him drawing it to being a, ma- a battle of the two managers um, Arsenal as well have got a little bit of a problem at right back obviously Bellerin who's been absolutely fantastic probably the best right back over the last two seasons um, in the Premier League you know and he's out injured now so Carl Jenkinson's coming in who is has been good when you know when he plays for a team that's doing well like when that West Ham team was in real good form he was performing very well but then when they were getting tested towards the end of the season he was quite poor so I want to see Anthony Martial I want to see Marcus Rashford drift for that left hand side and really sort of go at uh, Jenkinson and Mustafi as well, who will be playing together for the first time. Again, their communication is it there at the start? You know, first five minutes, United need to absolutely hound um, Arsenal's right sort of back zone in a way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable at the moment. Paul Pogba had a very, very good game for France midweek, got a goal, um, played an absolutely fantastic pass with the outside of his boot. If you've not seen it, go and check it out. It's absolutely wonderful. So, you know, it just shows his technique and his talent. So, yeah, I think I'm quite comfortable. Again, Pogba's not performed in these bigger games yet. You know, Chelsea and Man City. He's not done too well, so I expect him this to explode as well. It yeah, is, so uh, I'm fine. It is a big weekend as well, as well as Arsenal and United. Uh, Miko writes in saying, what are your thoughts on this weekend's games? We've got the Milan derby, of course, uh, the Classica, the Madrid derby coming up as well. I mean, which is the, the pick of the bunch for you, Lawrence? Which one would you be tuning in for? I think the Madrid derby is definitely the pick, isn't it? Uh, massive game there, uh, especially looking at the way that that's going to shape the table. Um, because... I think especially uh, in La Liga at the moment, you know, it's so squashed at the top of the table. I know that Atletico aren't uh, able to reach Real Madrid. They're not even able to reach Barcelona. So the best they can make is third this weekend. But it would also mean that if, uh, you know, if Real Madrid lost to Atletico, it would give uh, Barcelona ground to make up. Um, So, you know, and they're playing Malaga at home. So, uh, you know, I think basically Barcelona could be top of the league by the time that Real Madrid play away to Atletico Madrid. Mm. Uh, so it's going to be real pressure on, on Real Madrid to keep up there um, because the worst thing 
that Real Madrid are going to want to do is come off the back of an international break like that. And at the same time, it would be great for Atletico to make up the space. Um, it, I mean, I'm also looking forward to uh, looking in Serie A, obviously with AC and Inter. I think Inter and AC are both looking forward probably already to next season. I know that they both had um, great runs and you know, AC are only five points off the top, but Inter are on 17 points down in ninth place in the table. So, you know, I, I think the best that they could probably achieve is Champions League football next season. This AC Milan team is quite interesting. You know, it is Montella who has brought that, you know, lovely style of football that he brings as a manager. But they've got a very good Italian core in a way with, um, you know, players like Locatelli, 18 years old, Donnarumma, 17 year old, years old. The future's really bright for Milan, actually. I think they've, they've finally gone over that phase of recovering after they kept Gattuso alive for so long. And they finally, like, there's some stars popping out there. You know, you mentioned someone like Bonaventura, someone that's not only regarded as a superstar, but is a very good functional player that can play a number of roles in your midfield and will always give you a 7 out of 10. And then you've got Carlos back up front. So I think Milan have got a very good side. But then Inter, obviously, Stefan Poli coming in from, from Lazio. Is he the right man for the job? Nobody knows. No one can manage this Inter Milan team at the moment because it's just it's such a weird combination of players. So it's going to be a big, it's going to be an interesting one. But I do think AC will win. You know, other interesting derbies: Fenerbahce playing Galatasaray as well um, over in Turkey on Sunday at five o'clock. So if you're interested in that, go and you know jump over there. But they've not done so well this season, both um, you know in third and fifth position in the league respectively. So. It'll also, be a battle for second position, I think, between those two. There's a great game in the Championship this weekend between uh, Newcastle and Leeds United. I think that's a fantastic game. It is, yeah. I think it's the first time that Leeds have sold out in a few years as well. Um, at least that's what I can remember reading. And uh, in in many respects, you could look at the sadness that this is occurring in the, the second tier and not the top flight because many years ago it was quite a, a big game. But... No, it, it does. It conjures up a lot of good memories. There was a four-three there a few years ago with Sir Bobby Robson that was quite iconic for, for Newcastle fans. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be nice. I think it'll hopefully be uh, a display of passion in all the right avenues. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fans there who think they probably should be a little bit higher up. It'd be like I would I would love to see Leeds uh, promoted back up to the Premier League. Mm. Big weekend. Another interesting European football question here from the wonderfully named Carlos Spicy Wiener on Twitter at uh, Jones96Jack. He says, with only five unbeaten teams remaining in Europe's top five leagues, Bayern, Real, Hoffenheim, Leipzig, and of course Spurs, uh, who's going to basically keep that run going the longest? Well, uh, Adam, I think that question was answered on, was it the vlog, Lawrence? So maybe we... Check we, out the vlog. Check out not, the vlog. We, that, that will go up. That will go up at the same time as, uh, well, roughly at the same time as this. Yes. Carlos Spicy Wiener, check out the vlog. Um, <laughs> Is my, uh, is my recommendation for you. Uh, next question, interesting question here from Callum McLeod. He says, as a current first-year English uh, student uh, in journalism, I'm wondering how hard it was to break into football journalism specifically. Um, Chris, I mean, this one's for you. It's not easy. It's not always rewarding. The pay isn't always great. Um... <laughs> Keep... Where do I sign? Wait, 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 Callum, wait, wait. It might. It's gonna come back. But if you commit to it, you'll get there. That's the, 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 there's there's a lot of things that aren't pretty, and there are enough people who will tell you not to do this. So I don't want to be that person. I want to tell you essentially that if if it's something that really does 
stick with you and it's something you want to do then then go for it because i guarantee there are people with less talent that have made it than than you have so hmm. use that as as more motivation like i say a, a lot of it <clears throat> excuse me i think in the current uh climate i think freelancing is increasingly a way to go assuming you, you can't find the work because for example the position i was in and it, it does it's it's different for everybody the position i was in was there wasn't a huge wealth of jobs in the northeast to begin with um so i had to think further out and honestly i'm gonna choose my words carefully here even now when there are opportunities in the northeast i don't find that they're better than things i could be doing elsewhere um and that was a decision i was presented with fairly recently was a choice of whether i wanted to take a job here in the Northeast or keep doing what I was doing. And I think for that reason, freelancing is great because while it doesn't necessarily provide you the greatest security and there are definitely nights where you get less sleep because of it, it also can take you to so many different places and opportunities. If firstly, you've got the work rate and secondly, you've got the ingenuity. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To engineer contacts and network. Um, that's the thing I think that enough people aren't willing to do is pick up a phone, send an email, um, and, and just engage with people and, and be upfront with what you're trying to get out of it. There are two, I think there are a lot of instances where people try to dance around what they want in the hope that they'll be offered it. When if you just go for it with an honesty and an integrity to it, I think you'll get that. Another great answer. Another great answer. Um, here's a question from da, 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 Jack. Hmm. Bring back N'Golo uh, is his Twitter handle and tellingly because his question is is there anybody in the world to replace Kante um Dave I mean okay. Leicester tried somewhat to to plug the hole Kante left but hasn't quite worked it's a pretty big hole though isn't it you know covers about 17 positions on the pitch on his own um but it's, it's difficult because Kante again is playing the, some of the best football in his career at Chelsea you know put back into that um, you know, the similar role that he was playing. Potential players that we've got, obviously, Jesse Gay and someone that we've, or Gay, or whatever you want to call, we've championed on the podcast before. Uh, just looking at basic numbers at the moment in terms of tackle stats, uh, Benjamin Andre from, from Raw, um, 39 tackles, one in the 
in the in Liga this season. Um, you know, he's ranked second in Europe's top five leagues. Potentially, he could be the man. He looks like he's got similar stats in terms of um, you know how he wins the ball back and so forth. But I think Kante was just it, you know is so good at that that he has that both ability to intercept and win tackles. That's quite rare because that's kind of a bit of a different skill. One is being very aggressive and uh, you know timing yourself very well in challenges. The other one is sitting back and reading the play. So. It's a difficult skill to have both of those, and that's why Kante's, you know, such a quality, quality player. Sound like he fell off his chair. Um, a good question here. Uh, I assume it's because I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Is on unless it's. It got cancelled. What did? Uh, I'm a celebrity. No, why? I mean, that's what most people said, but except I said no. Why? Did it actually? Is it? Have they stopped it? Yeah, I think that was what I read the other day in the Daily uh, Mirror. That shows how up to date I am on uh, popcorn. They've stopped filming it, or they stop. They're stopping making it after this one. I think they just didn't go on Celebrity Star reveals she was dumb. Oh, maybe it wasn't. Um, <laughs> just had a, just had a chronic bout of realization. The, oh, sorry, Who <laughs> Yeah, no, no, she. Uh, yeah, she. It was. Uh, they didn't make it. Yeah, it's. It's not. It's not going ahead. Thank God. I saw someone do it the other day. It was on TV live the other night, wasn't it? Uh, apparently, it's hard days work. Adam likes nothing more than seeing a former Britain's Got Talent contestant try to eat a kangaroo's penis. No, I saw it was it was less interesting. That it was someone a donkey's penis. No, on a building, try, balancing on Their the edge of a penis? building or something like walking out on a plank. It was bizarre. your penis. <laughs> That'd be uh, quite something. Um, the question I mean, you is. The question is, if you could send one football-related person into the jungle, not necessarily an a celebrity, just generally into a jungle, oh, uh, who would it be? Oh, you see, there's a, big, there's a difference between sending them into the jungle and, uh, and I've got a few of these. I mean, this guy, I mean, Bean Roberts, he, he may have never seen I'm a celebrity, just thinking, you know what, who do you want to send into the jungle? Well, uh, given Wayne Bridges there, I was going to suggest John Terry. So we could mm, flood the vaults. That, oh, yes. oh my God, that really would be incredible. That would um, be. I well, would then at the same time, I don't know if this is how celebrity works, because I haven't seen it in years. But then also vote for Wayne Bridge to get as many treats as possible. Just so yeah. that essentially you can reinforce the message to both men that this is what the country thinks of you. <laughs> could you also then, though, also, would it also be interesting to see how many of the treats John Terry fucked? Oh yeah, definitely yeah, was. If you found out it was Wayne Bridges, then he's going straight in. Then afterwards, yeah. you could send in Anton Ferdinand. You know, Rio Ferdinand. Oh, God, could get, it could get interesting. Oh, get interesting. <laughs> um, who would you send in, Dave? If you could send anyone into the jungle. Right now, I think Wayne Rooney could do a stint in the jungle. They're not not the jungle celebrity jungle. This is a you know a, a rehab jungle. Just have a word. <laughs> Think about his life. <laughs> Come back there's stronger. Gorillas as nurses. There's no, there's no such thing as the rehab jungle, Dave. Don't crush his dreams, Lawrence. There could be a yeah. rehab jungle out there. Just in the jungle, there yeah. could be. I suppose you do find some of the most potent medicines in the jungle. I suppose you could. Exactly. Um, so we'll get Wayne to do some magic mushrooms and see the future. Wow. Yeah. Dave, here's, here's another one from you, uh, from Jeff. It's Mamido on Twitter. Do United need a new Hold on, where's back? my say? I had loads of great ones. Come on, hit me. <laughs> no, fuck off. You're not, you're not having them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's that? You're not having the likes of Nigel Pearson. Come a on, wonderful hit. example of, of how he bat yes. the wolves away. 
in the jungle or Sam Allardyce, how he'd still do all his bloody speeches out in the middle of nowhere. Huh? Looking Klopp because he actually does enjoy taking his teams out to places like the jungle or the forest and bonding them together. Yeah, I get points. None of you do. I've got the football ramble points. I wish we could have heard you uh, explain those, Lawrence, but we can't. Um, next question is from Jeff Mamido. Do United need a left back or is it just clickbait, Dave? I think Lawrence has got something to say about <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. He's, he's had enough, mate. Stormed out of it. He's done. Um, no, I think Luke Shaw needs the rest of the season. And if he doesn't potentially get up to up to level, maybe get him some competition. Um, I don't think he needs a replacement, but competition is, is always good in squads. Uh, you know, it brings the best out of players. So if, you know, if he, if he doesn't pull his finger out, then yeah, maybe in, in the summer, get another one just to sort of compete for that starting spot. And maybe Luke Shaw push on a little bit because he's, He's not been great this year. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Um, you know, he's not on the level of performance that he that he should be. At, you know, the early stage of his career that it, the expectation on him is big. But you know, the talent he had at Southampton, the football he's playing at Southampton, he hasn't quite got to that level yet at Manchester United. And that's all what all United fans want is that Luke Shaw, not the Luke Shaw we've seen. It's all they can want. I, uh, can I can I reply to a point that we made earlier in the week? I sort of made a point <laughs> earlier in the week, which has been made. Lawrence is on gone. TFR. Uh, um, and it, uh, basically, I said I thought uh, that, that essentially uh, Mourinho had sort of his image had slipped somewhat. His persona was damaged, and because of that, he sort of changed the way that he looks a little bit. And uh, you know, he used to be this very sharply, sharply suited guy, and would sort of everyone would look up to him. You know, in, in a very sort of um, you know older brother kind of way, like a lot of people respected him. I think now that veil has somewhat changed, or at least his persona has changed. Um, you know, he, he, that that's different now. And someone tweeted me and said, no, he's still exactly the same. I'd be interested to know what you think, Dave, because I don't think he looks the same. And I, I, people see it as a criticism or as a disrespect of United that, you know, somehow I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, uh, piss off United fans to show they're not of the same status or something, like that, which is not just not true. But uh, at the same time, I think it is true to say that, you know, he, he's he's a different character now. He's a different person. He's a different persona. And I read a really interesting article on In Bed With Maradona about how he's he he became the anti-hero in Italy and it was really fascinating to read about uh you know the plight of the anti-hero the plight of Mourinho and maybe how that's changed and maybe how we don't perceive it in the same way or maybe he it, our expectations of Mourinho uh, no longer fit with what his expectations are it's really interesting I think it's a good point though I think that is kind of where you know it has how he has been painted um, and it might be down to some United fans who have been hypercritical of Mourinho so far. He's not playing attacking football, blah, 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 blah. It's the same as last year. When it's completely not. And maybe it's time to support the anti-hero again. Ferguson was another anti-hero. Ferguson was hated by every single other fan in the Premier League or around the world. He was absolutely hated because of the success he got. And sometimes he could be a right, you know, one of those to the press, to the media, to so forth. And Mourinho is exactly the same. And I think that sort of hatred and wanting to be hated for some United fans, needs to come back and we need to be the, the guys that are the bad guys because that's what we are painted. We have a devil on our crest and that is, a, you know, unfortunately how Man United is. That's the club it is and I think some fans need to remember what United is. Obviously there's been Louis van Gaal, there's been David Moyes, but our image is the bad guys. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's not always been the case. Yeah, I find that a bit interesting. I've heard that so much since Mourinho came in and it's an interesting point you raise, but I don't know. It just seems... It seems tangential to the fact that to being good essentially to be in the champ you don't need to be hated to be the champions 
But that's always been United hated. Ignored. No, it hasn't. Dated. But that's like a it byproduct has, of honestly, being the champions, as honestly, opposed like, to hey, what makes you successful, what makes you champions. It's a byproduct of being so successful. Everyone hates Man United because they were the most successful, so dominant for so many years. Everyone started hating Chelsea, as you know, for other reasons as well. But because of success, it's not. You don't need to be hated to be successful. I feel like. But I think that's that's always going to be the United. I don't think the United way is going to be loved. They, the because Busby of the babes. because of the yeah, but that's what I mean. So that's what I was going to say. So yeah, the Busby Babes was everyone know that everyone loved the Busby Babes. You know, it was well, an English everyone, team yeah. and young young players. You know, the whole of England went to a standstill when that plane went down. You know, people crying in the streets and so forth. You know, that's what my grand my dad was born the day that the Munich air disaster happened. And you know, my grandparents and my grand, late granddad always always said, you know, this is what everyone loved in in the whole country and they were living in Somerset and they were like you know everyone was upset there but I think that was the United that was loved you know then the success of Liverpool came the Liverpool were most hated but in recent years in the last 20 years Man United have been hated and that's kind of the game now that's what it is I don't think that's ever going to change no, it isn't. why you know what Dave you guys could have been um, in United, essentially, could have been um, very, very loved by a lot of people. And actually, I've, I've grown to be, I've grown to have quite an affection towards them because of channels like Full Time Devils. I quite, I quite like people like Adam McCola. I, I think you know, I have a certain affection for Stephen Housen, which is a very select affection, but still, it's an affection. Um, and I think you know, I think he's a very humanising guy. I think he, there's a lot of United fans out oh, yeah. there. There's a lot of United fans out there, and you know, I went to the club and I thought. I thought, you know what, they'll probably be the bad guys. I won't like them. They've got some of the nicest staff, some of the nicest people, and it's a lovely family club. And it upsets me I mean, a little bit. I mean, not to the point where I'm crying or anything, but it's, it's sort of an upsetting thought that United fans sort of are so swept away with the idea of Mourinho's success that they feel like they have to... For me, what you just said there, Dave, to some extent, and I, it might sound a little bit dramatic, but it sounds a bit like it's selling out to me. What do you mean, selling out? I don't, selling out, I don't think selling out your United values. My, my whole life, my whole lifetime, United has been hated. I've I've sat and I've been I've been jeered by you know going to, going away with United have been jeered by home fans of everybody. I've seen West Ham do the, the you know do the Munich play. And the biggest insult to Manchester United, yeah, one that's absolutely totally disrespectful to the whole club. But why are they doing it? you're not hated in the same way as and i think in many ways there was a there was a it was a respectful i, I, I the west the west ham one's a bad um, example and there, there are liverpool fans who have obviously sung abhorrent things about the munich disaster and those those guys don't get it they don't get the respect that two big clubs have for each other between liverpool and manchester but my point would be i've always had a respect for manchester united there are times where i struggle with that you know when you see gary neville going down the pitch and kissing his badge or Rio Ferdinand really loving it but at the same time you get but the, but the point is Dave that the, I think at the same time um, you know there was always a respect for what Ferguson did or what, and what United did and at the moment if I'm completely honest if there doesn't seem to be a respect for United at least people respected Ferguson's United and I know they're going to be United fans who get angry about this but I, I speak I'm trying to speak from a perspective of someone who wants to see United come to a point where uh, you know there'll be a there'll be a feared foe and there'll be a respected foe as i, I miss looking forward to the united games no, this is the thing I, i'd like that it's going to come back to a stage where united are going to get to that level again unfortunately because you know they are one of the richest clubs in the world and unfortunately money money talks in football now whether it does take two years does take three years there's going to be a stage where we'll we'll listen back to this conversation and you'll be like i absolutely fucking hate united now 
But you know, Adam Gore believes in your shit. We'll steal Pochettino. We'll steal. <laughs> we'll steal Harry Kane, and we'll rob well, Eric Dyer, well, and you'll be like, "Oh my!" My God, point is, Dave, that you'll you know. never get Eric Dyer as long as, as, long as you've got <laughs> yeah. Herrera in that side. Oh, yeah. Eric, Eric they'll, they'll have a fun that. Midfield, Dave, fired up for the game because they're walking behind <laughs> each other like I hate you. Dave, <laughs> you hate me. My point would be that you know you're talking about Man United needs to be hated, and a lot of United fans started talking about that. But it seems that that's come in since Mourinho came in. I wasn't hearing that I when Moises. I wasn't hearing that when Van Gaal came in. There's a difference between being feared and being hated, yeah, that, and it feels does. like Man United fans are trying to almost sometimes excuse some of Mourinho's more mm, interesting behaviour by saying, "Yeah, we need to be hated." It's, it's, that's that's what he needs to do. Yeah. It's kind of again, it is the same thing. Like you obviously, it changed under David Moyes, and it changed under Louis Van Gaal. You know, David Moyes did a terrible thing of getting rid of too many um, leaders from that United team. You know, he got rid of Vidic, Ferdinand and Patrice Ever in the same summer. That is crazy talk. Um, and, you know, you do that, you take a massive chunk of what United was under Ferguson out of the club with Alex Ferguson going. And that's the difference. And then you get David Moyes in, who's, you know, whatever David Moyes was as Man United manager. I, I don't really know what he tried. I don't know what he tried to achieve at Manchester United. At least Louis van Gaal knew what he was doing. But again the fear factor had gone. The biggest thing you should do as a Man United boss for me is win all your games at home. And that was something that David Moyes failed and something that Louis van Gaal failed. Something that Mourinho's doing reasonably well. Mm. Making um, Old Trafford a difficult place to go to. Making Old Trafford a difficult place, so that's it. That's all the fans I'm, want at home. In a, in a, you know, at home. And then you get back, no, it isn't. It's not, it can't be all the United fans want. No, I know, I know what Dave means though in terms of... It's a of, building you know, block. It's a building block to go where you want to go. It's winning up your home games and getting support for your team at home. I think that's, you know... It used, to be, yeah, it, it used to be such a difficult place to go to Old Trafford, you'd never win. But now it kind of seems, oh, you know, maybe we can get a draw, maybe yeah. even, you know, get all three points here. It doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, a place that teams are scared to go to. But I'm wary of talking about Manchester United too much. You know, we do talk about uh, them and Mourinho so much. But uh, let me transition on to... Um, talk about them too much, Adam. Excellent, nice. Um, let me transition <laughs> on to Liverpool. <laughs> uh, Lawrence, I mean, we did... <laughs> discuss it uh, a few weeks ago about Coutinho potentially leaving Liverpool Tim Eels simply says can Liverpool keep hold of Coutinho hashtag I am the whole nice we heard Klopp say uh, a few days ago in his press conference that you know he wants to make Liverpool a club where players don't think about leaving the likes of Suarez etc he's not worried are you worried I mean, I would I would always be worried when the overtures sort of come. Uh, the Liverpool Echo seems to be reporting all the time, trying to make people a little bit paranoid about the fact that you know Iniesta's had his say, and all the all the big boys have had their say at Barcelona. That uh, you know they are good friends, Neymar and Coutinho. Um, and I think the, you know the, the one positive for Liverpool is that they have they were the ones who unearthed this diamond, if you like. Um, and or polished the diamond. Other people knew he was good, but they never really knew how to get the best out of him. Um, and I think that that Liverpool are for a while going to have to accept what their status is that people will question whether he will stay. Doesn't mean he's guaranteed to leave. Uh, I, I think most people report with a sense of inevitability about it, and I think that's maybe what I find difficult about it because it almost seems a bit. Di- I, I often find transfer rumours a little bit disrespectful. Um, you know, it's disrespectful to say uh, until you fat- heard it from the horse's mouth, if you like. Um, and I, I, I guess for that point, I, I guess I would hope as a Liverpool fan and having heard what Kristen said about the man and, um, you know, what, what the man values, I would hope that he would stick around a little bit longer um, considering what he's made Liverpool and what Liverpool have made him. Hmm. Um, having said that, he'll leave, in, he'll leave in the summer. Yeah, he'll be gone. Um, 
It's an interesting question from esteemed company, Stephen from Blue Moon Rising TV. He says, how many brain cells does a person need to lose to form the opinion Pep is a fraud? Now, five. There's a hundred billion cells in your brain, aren't you? You only need to lose five? So you're yeah. essentially saying that's a legitimate uh, opinion to have? Uh, no, I mean, you know, the loss of brain cells does not legitimise an opinion. <laughs> well, um, I, mean, I don't think that's ever. That's what I inferred. Um, I don't think it's ever been a common. I mean, you are preeminent in information, but I, I don't think it's ever been a. There's ever been a commonly held opinion. Um, uh, you know, I don't think that many people realistically think that, do they? No, of course not, Dave. And if they do, they've got a few billion brain cells missing. Yeah, I think, I think so it's just so. a stick to beating with them, right? It's just like, oh, he's, he's a fraud. Eat- Oh, you know, he had met Lionel Messi. Oh, yeah. he had this, he had that. Yeah, he completely changed that Barcelona team. I think we spoke about this many a time. How he went from a Barcelona team of Ronaldinho going out on the on the lash every single day, and then turning up to <laughs> Barcelona training and pretending he was injured or going to sleep in the medics' tent uh, to the team that conquered Europe time and time again. So I, I, for me, Pep Guardiola will be the best coach in the world at the moment. To be quite honest, in terms of what he does with players and how he improves them. Boom. I still love that story of my favourite Pep Guardiola Barcelona story is the one where he tried to ban, I've said it so many times, the one where he tried to ban the fizzy drinks. Uh, no Pepsi, no Coke. Lionel Messi sitting in the change room, walks out, goes to the vending machine, gets a Pepsi, walks straight back into the change room, tss, opens it up, gulps it down. I'm the boss, mate, essentially. Um, and smiles to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's a power move. It's a power play. Um, it's the best advert they ever did. Lawrence, this... Do you really believe that to be true? Yeah, I reckon. I genuinely do. I mean, I think Messi knows how important he is to that club. He knows how essential he is to Barcelona. He knows essentially he can do whatever he wants. And um, I have no doubt that maybe on a couple of occasions he's asserted that that dominance. You know, Me- story- Messi did just stand in front of the entire Argentine press corps and say, look, we're not going to speak to you anymore. He, he knows he can do what he wants. He, um, I, I think, I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad person or he's he's arrogant or anything. No, no. I think he's a little bit self-aware of who he is and the power that he holds. Because like I say, the the reason that they stopped speaking to the press, just for added context, is there was a story claiming that uh, Levetsi had been caught smoking marijuana and was dropped because of it. And Messi essentially led all the players out into the, the press room and took the microphone and said, look, we're not going to speak to you because we can't be doing with these stories that are fabricated. It's ridiculous. You can say whatever you like now, but we're not going to talk to you. I think that's, I'm, and if I'm quite honest, I think that's fair enough. If your press, if, you know, if your press are making up lies, I, I think the England players should do the same. I think the press, is, the press do, does go too far. And if it does make up stories... I think that people are well within their rights to choose who they talk to. And the press should suffer if they don't hold people properly to account. And if they I don't, don't think do it was universally reported, journalism. though. There will have been people who caught in the crossfire there. And I understand not, that, but I also think... Not, it, my point is not um, whether he was right or wrong to do it. The point was that he is self-aware enough to know that he has the power to stand in front of them and say that and knows that either what they say will not be negative off the back of it or that opinion will not translate to supporters. Yeah. I mean, he retired in the summer, for goodness sake. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm retired. I, mean, I, I think he is. I think he's someone who yeah. just he knows his position. Here is it's a question for you, Lawrence, essentially. Akshay Huda on Twitter said, which EPL team 
is the equivalent of hashtag dub nation. I believe that's the Golden State Warriors. Sure, yeah, okay. Yes. Or hashtag defend the land, which I'm going to say is the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers. What? Yeah. Quick question. Why are the Golden State Warriors called the dubs? Um, so th- there's a, obviously everyone's got their NBA uh, names. Uh, sort I of, heard that word, which sounds weird. It's because it's d- Warriors W. Dub. Dub. Just seems a bit. Uh, so uh, there's there's Dub Nation. There's also um, I'm trying to think of all the other ones now. I've, I've, so, I've, I've... If, so he's saying which EPL team is the equivalent of Golden State Warriors? Like for those who don't watch the NBA, who only you know know the, the basics, what what are the Golden State Warriors to the NBA? Are they like the best team? Are they this? Are they that? Um, I mean, they they are they are they were the best team. Uh, they obviously didn't win it last year um, because the Cavs beat them um, and had a great comeback. Uh, so you, essentially, you, you'd say that at the moment uh, the the prominent they're narrative... Rogers Liverpool, aren't they? Uh, it's like they played some of the best no, the, the basketball, only... but it didn't result in them winning the title. Oh, I, to be fair, I was thinking years, of someone. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, I'd imagine they're more that they'd probably be Klopp's Liverpool. Um, uh, but I mean, the, the, because the point is, well, yeah, I mean, the, the point is they, they have actually won a championship. Thing is, they they have won a championship though. That's the difference between Rogers, Liverpool, um, or Liverpool, and um, and uh, the, the Golden State Warriors. So I mean, that, I was looking for someone who's actually won it recently. Um, essentially, in the Premier League, it's sort of hard to think of anyone like that. You could say. I mean, they're not really like Arsenal. I, the, the nearest thing to them is probably like Klopp's uh, Klopp side. Uh, they've got a couple of, uh, you know, young, promising players in there. Um, not least Stephen Curry. You know, there's uh, Thompson. Uh, they've they've just signed Kevin Durant. But they sort of got the pool now, which is something that Liverpool don't really have. So it's not really an equivalent for me of the Cleveland Cav- of, uh, of the Golden State Warriors. Cleveland, Cav- Cleveland Clav- Clavaliers? Probably the Paul Pogba. Yeah, the old cover because um, probably Paul Pogba and Manchester United because uh, Paul Pogba is the returning guy, the king back to where he left. The king returns, um, like, you know, like that. sort of got, that sort of thing. Uh, outside of that, I'd say there aren't that many sort of parallel narratives. Yeah, because actually the NBA and and football have quite distinct. The NBA are very good at constructive, constructing distinctive stories. Mm. Um, uh, I think that's part of it. Is, you know, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see uh, more distinctive narratives in the Premier League and people breaking out of that. Uh, Dave, this could be one for you. Uh, Alexis Golightson said, why do stats often refer to the top five leagues? Why not six or seven? Is there really a big gap in quality between these leagues? I think it's just the um, readiness of the data when it started to be trendy. I think that was the first few leagues that were really taken notice of. Um, you know, you look at... Liga is probably the the bottom of that, but then I think if you compared Liga to the Portuguese league, I think Liga would beat it if you had like a playoff between the two leagues. So that's why it's still that way. You know, obviously the coefficient is a little bit different, but the Portuguese teams. You know, if you look at the top teams there, you got Sporting Porto, uh, Benfica. You'd say you go over to France, you probably got um, you know PSG will be there. Then there's quite a few competitive teams in there. You look at Lyon, Monaco. So I'd still regard that as a better league in terms of standard throughout the league. So that's why I 
refer to them. But I don't think there's a, there's not a problem. It was just because of the the data was available for those leagues first. Um, you know, the Portuguese league has only started collecting Opta data this season, so that's one of the reasons why the French league has used it. Just because of the, it was it was there first in a way. The Eredivisie you'd class that a little bit lower down than those top five. I'd say you know I'd say that the Eredivisie is behind France um, by some way. So yeah, it, it's an interesting one. But yeah, I think it is just because the data was there. Nice. Um, here is a good question from. Alex Emery, Soccer AM YouTube producer extraordinaire, Alex Emery. Wow. He says, who do you think will get promoted from the championship? Hashtag I am the whole. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Chris, I mean, one of those teams, surely, even at this stage of the season, is going to be Newcastle, right? You would think so, based off of how they've been so far. They've been really good. Um, their defensive work has been, I would say, fantastic. Their attacking work is making progress. And you would have to think will continue to improve. So it's it's a good sign. I quite like Brighton as well. I think <clears throat> I think they can improve on last season. Uh, I do quite like Knockout. I don't think he's worth the fees that were being touted, but I do think he's a very good player and was a, a really smart pickup from uh, Brighton in the first place. And then you're looking at the playoffs, and see, my heart would kind of love Huddersfield to do it because I kind of fell in love with them a bit when I saw them up close. Um, they were just, they're kind of imperfect. They're a bit like Dortmund when Dortmund first had their rise. There's, there's a beauty in the imperfection. You know, you know, they're not finished, but you see the potential there and what it could be. Um, Norwich, I think Norwich now might miss out if they don't get rid of Alex Neal. I don't think he's progressive enough for that team. I think he's far too risk averse and you can't do that when the defence is as poor as Norwich's so maybe I'm trying to think who else could be in there I think it'll be Newcastle and Brighton will go automatically uh, the main man Carlos Zaldivar I think the answer to this is a resounding yes but he says if you were a pro player playing for the rival club of the team you support would you make the switch to the club you support if you had the chance, for example, if Chris was a pro player for Sunderland, would you move to Newcastle? If you had the chance, even though you'd most likely be seen as a traitor, but get to play for your boyhood club, um, surely the answer to that is yes, because you'd Jack be able to callback paradigm, basically. You'd be able to like PR it, wouldn't you? Be like, oh, you know, I've always supported Spurs. I came up through the academy or Arsenal, whatever. You'd be able to excuse it and try and win around the fans, surely. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, you probably Liverpool or Leeds, Adam. If you were playing for Liverpool. I absolutely not. Wouldn't sign the deal, mate. I'd Nobody. be a baker instead. Right. <laughs> but in this hypothetical situation, oh, you have signed the deal. I'd make pizza for a living. Right. Adam. Excellent. Right. You're a pizza chef then. What does that uh, even mean? <laughs> he's a pizza chef, Lawrence. He's had his say. Oh, right, okay, if yeah. you were playing for Manchester United. just defended a lot of pizza chefs there, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love cooking. I'd definitely. That's what I mean. <laughs> Chef. I mean, you just offended them Chef. even more. I mean, yeah. How could I be offensive to pizza chefs? I love cooking, me. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you'll be sorry when dave cooks comes live <laughs> that is the next the next uh, pillar in the, in next, the dave empire one. um rishab singh uh, thank you very much for your question says will a team ever do a reverse leicester and finish high in one season and get relegated for the next if so which club would you enjoy it happening to um i don't think leicester are in danger of 
get relegated this season. Um, I think uh, as, as as much as they sort of struggled to, to live up to the high standards of last season, but which team would I, apart from Arsenal, which team would I, you know, you'd love to see happen to Chelsea, wouldn't you? Um, you kind of did, didn't you? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's always in, uh, it didn't quite go as far as you would have liked it, though. You know, they still finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it seventh or eighth last year? Um, a relegation movie. Or, already something. sort of happened to my favourite team, Leeds United in in two thousand oh. two thousand and one, fourth in the Premier League, or to get to the the Champions League semi final. <laughs> then three seasons later. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Here Just is... a reminder, we'll be doing that fan meetup in Leeds. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're not Everyone's doing it in Leeds. Welcome. No pizza chefs are invited. All, all the Peter Reid fans out there and Eddie Gray, you know, the <laughs> yeah. two, two managers that took them down, please come as well. <laughs> Here's a good, uh, one of uh, Lawrence's favourite type Arsenal of questions. I think Arsenal would be fantastic to watch. <laughs> oh. Or oh, the meltdown on social media. Lawrence, your favourite type of question here. It's a versus question comparing two players. Uh, United Forever said, who was more dominant in their prime, Xavi or Skulls? Nice question, since it was Skulls' birthday a few days ago. Um, what do you reckon, Lawrence, will come to you first, Xavi or Paul Skulls in their prime? Who would you rather have in your team, essentially? Oh, good question. Who would I rather have in my team? It's very different to who I thought was more dominant in their prime. Um, you know, now or I've then? Riffed, I've riffed off it. Yeah, uh, you know what? I... T- it's got to be prime Xavi, as much as everyone loves Paul Scholes. It's got to be prime Xavi, isn't it? Yeah, for me, it's got to be prime Xavi. I, ju- I just think he'd... Yeah, sorry. Chris, prime Xavi? Yeah. I-, I saw someone this week say that Scholes isn't fit to lace his boots, which I thought was a really... I, I completely disagree with that. I think Scholes is a wonderful player. and He's and fantastic. I think in a lot of ways they had very different careers because mm. Xavi was surrounded by brilliance constantly. Whereas I think Skulls often inspired the brilliance in his teams. Uh, Dave, let me guess what you're going to say. I think it's quite interesting. I kind of go against what Chris just said there. I'd say (gasps) Xavi had a a better peak um, and in a way ran that show for that Barcelona team. But that only happened, you know, you go into 2000 and, you know, when, when Guardiola took over, let's say, that's when Xavi started really kicking on. Before that, yeah, he was a very, very decent player, but... That wasn't in his peak. He wasn't dictating games. He wasn't the pinnacle of that team. You look, you were looking at the likes of Ronaldinho, uh, where the ball was going to. It wasn't going through Xavi. And then when Pep came, obviously Xavi was the main man. Um, I think in, in their prime, I think Xavi was more dominant and would have more influence on a game. But then you'd look at Paul, Paul Scholes' evolution uh, from a goal-scoring midfielder to a dictator. You'd want that in your team. So it's a difficult one. But ultimately, you'd want both in the same team in a 4-3-3 with Michael Carrick in behind. Or Sergio Busquets, whichever way you want to go. For the record, I wasn't saying that Javi wasn't brilliant. Yeah. I was just saying that he was surrounded by brilliance. Mm. No, but that. So I, I going back. To I don't. My, I don't think he before, necessarily had to raise the level of those around him. He was brilliant, and then also benefited from the fact he had brilliance around him. So I'd say and, that he and was the better player at the time. So he he didn't get brilliant until Pep Guardiola. I don't think he was at that level anywhere near that level of, of running games of dictating the play until the Pep team. I think in the Rijkaard team, he wasn't as influential. I don't think he was first choice. You had the likes of Deco in there that were, you know, starting ahead of him. Because mm. he was surrounded by brilliance. <laughs> 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 the final question this week, bringing to an end this week's Q&A podcast, is a little preemptively festive. It's from the Rob Meister. Always enjoy it, Rob's questions. He says, what movie... Are you most looking forward to watching over the Christmas holidays? Um, oh, so over, oh, ooh, over a month ooh. away, 
Um, but I mean, I know my answer already. It's, You're going for a month away? Yeah, well, I know what I'm watching. It's, it's the movie I watch every Christmas, the one I always look forward to watching. It's a classic, starring one of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, it's Jingle All the Way. Probably the best Christmas movie. It's, That's not true. It's, it's not incredible. the best Christmas movie. Oh, it is amazing. Home Alone? I mean, Home Alone. It's done, mate. It's finished, Home Alone. Merry it's, Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah, and a happy you know. New Year. Come on. Home Alone da, 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 is very good, yes. But the one I'm most looking forward to watching again is Jingle All the Way. For me, that's the best Christmas movie. I know it's not. Muppets Christmas opinion. Carol? Yeah, it's a good film. It's good. Hey, Muppets Christmas Carol is fantastic. Yeah, it's good, you know? I feel like The Great Escape takes on a much more important poignancy this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but, but Chris, the problem with that movie is they're not all wearing their poppies. It's true. true. That is the main problem. Um, yeah. Dave, what, what movie are you most looking forward to watching every Christmas? Is it The Buppy's Christmas Cow? Uh, a Wonderful Life? Yes. Is it Sparkle Horse 3? Please don't be a pawn. Please don't be a pawn. Uh, that, that is a route. That is a potential route. Um, I quite like Home Alone. Die Home Hard is good. <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> that's a great answer. Just for clarification, you mean the Macaulay Culkin one? Yeah. <laughs> the, just um, for clarification you did say home alone not homo alone I just want to be sure about this that's oh, die hard Lawrence die hard die hard die hard is a great answer that's a, that's a manly Christmas Again, music just to check <laughs> Bruce Willis version <laughs> so many then, and then double meanings I should clarify which Bruce Willis version because we all know about that mistake he made die is Die Hard 2 Christmas as well? No? Yes. Isn't that no, the hard? The hard B. That was Die Harder, I believe. Great <laughs> yeah. movie. Um, I'm sure it was. Die Hard, uh, Dave's going for a great movie. I'll go for Jingle All the Way. I mean, you know, classic. Chris? What about um, no, no, one into, um, no One Into Love Actually? Oh, I hate Love Actually. I can't stand Love Actually. One of the worst. What about films. the bit where he stands outside the front of the door and he's yeah. encouraging her to cheat on his best mate? Yeah, it's a ridiculous <laughs> it's film. It's such a, a sweet moment. It's a it's a horribly crafted, cynical look at I don't know. Bob Christmas. Dylan did that much much better many years ago. Yeah. There you go. Um Chris, Christmas movie of choice, go. Uh I have never seen Elf, but I have wow, to watch that's it this a Christmas great movie. and I've been told that it's brilliant. Oh so I'll, I'll preemptively say that one. What about um what about the holiday? Starring Jude Law. Right, can you stop um, suggesting what? terrible films? What are you doing? Okay, so you're trying okay. to push Jude Law DVDs. Jeez. Um, right, guys. Anyway, that is what all about what about the Santa Claus? Oh, that sorry, is there's all. Big, there's big news have... you've missed. Adam. There's what? big news you've missed. What? Robbie Keane is no longer an LA Galaxy player. Hello. <laughs> He's too busy ordering his Jude Law DVD. That is all you have time for, guys. No, no, go, no, come on, go. No, come on. Can you not hear me? I mean, yeah, I can. I mean, so what? Is, did, we, did we think that was going to happen? No, oh, come like on. Give us a little chance to chat about the Polar Express. Come on, that's a good. Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> like you just changed track. I'll be through the conversation. Chris, a eulogy for Robbie Keane's LA Galaxy career. He laid a lot of the bricks in the LA Galaxy house and I was... on 34th street i mean um the, and i think he was one of if not the best foreign designated players ever he really he really did bring brilliance and, and quality to to major league soccer so i think he can retire with his head held high boom uh, robbie Keane, well done 
uh, guys, that brings an end to this Nightmare week's Before Christmas. Q&A podcast. Let us know which Christmas movies you're going to be watching over the festive season on Twitter at the front three. You can also get your questions in there. Apologies if we didn't get around to your question this week. We'll try and get around to it next week because uh, there are so many good questions this week. For now, though, until Monday, Dave, where can the good people find more of you? Adam, mate, it's, it's November. We shouldn't be talking about Christmas movies anyway. You're right. You are right, to be fair. Um, it's a wonderful life. Let's not forget that. <laughs> we'll, we'll Dave, be talking, don't be such a grinch. We'll be t- yeah, very good. Dave? Well, I get on that vlog. Me and Lawrence don't I'm play that primary around school. London. Discussing the unbeaten teams. Um, on the front for a YouTube channel. See Dave skateboarding as well. He's very good at that. Um, Chris, where can the good people find you? Uh, Lost Cast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. Thanks. Sorry, I said Chris, but maybe it's Chris, Lost, you know, interchangeable. Kristen, where can the good people find your face and work? Well, I'll be home for Christmas when Batman returns, and you can find me, ask K-H-E-N-E-A-T. That was a stretch. That was a stretch. You're a lethal weapon, Chris. Just naming movies now. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Front Three. Uh, We will see you on Monday. Until then, have a bloody good week and weekend.